Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We've got another good show for everybody this week. Dana Lane is going to come in and go down the Vegas lane with us. We're going to talk. We're going to preview the ACHA College Club Championships starting this week and UNLV's options and and where they're headed, hopefully towards the national championship. We're going to talk about Reed Duke, the first player in Vegas Golden Knights history. I think Dana had a chance to talk with him a little bit this week, so maybe we'll get to know Reed Duke uh, vicariously through Dana Lane. And then later on in the show, our special guest for this week, Matt Robinson, podcast host at Tall Can Audio, uh, covers the Leafs. We're going to be doing Maple Leaf Nation this week. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I did get get a chance to see uh, the Kings-Leafs game earlier in the week, and that's one exciting hockey club. Um, so we've got a lot of questions to go through with Mr. Robinson, uh, but let me bring in my co-host, Chris. I am a little under the weather this week, so if my voice is a little a little wonky, a little wacky, uh, Chris is going to jump right in and, and carry the ball for us if I have to break down. So, uh, Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you, sir. I hope you, you start feeling better. Uh, a lot of hot tea and a lot of chickens, hot chicken soup with as much broth as possible. But I guess uh, kick off by saying Vegas has liftoff, Reed Duke. Uh, and, you know, this is really a no-brainer in reading about this situation. Um, you know, free agent, uh, part of the Brandon Weekings, uh, which uh, assistant general manager obviously is very well acquainted with, still an owner there, was a coach and general manager until, until this season. Uh, originally drafted, I believe, by the Minnesota Wild, um, has yep. very good numbers in the WHL. I, I don't want to, you know, with junior hockey. I don't, I don't want to poo-poo that, but I don't want to go off too crazy. But you know, uh, reading about Reed Duke this week, Kelly McCrimmon uh, has felt for I think a little while that he, he's an NHL player, and there's really no harm, no foul here. Uh, quite honestly, uh, I would think it would behoove Vegas to. And I'm sure they're doing they're doing their due diligence with all the Reed Dukes kind of out there who are free agents. Maybe they were, you know, fifth, sixth round picks kind of thing. They didn't sign and um, those kind of possibilities. So uh, Vegas has its first player uh, and they're going to need to acquire many players for their AHL team and, and down the road because I'm sure George, or George McPhee is going to want to use maybe a, a player or two or maybe more than that in expansion and flip them for draft picks or prospects that uh, probably aren't going to be on the team next year. So, um, yeah, I, I think that was just – it was a no-brainer. It was an excellent move. And, you know, uh, we're looking forward to hearing what Dana has to say about Reed Duke. For sure. I, and I did want to uh, throw a little throw a little love your way. Uh, Chris's latest article dropped a couple days ago over on Ion Isles, Islanders Web. Hold on just a second. <coughs> 
<clears throat> over on the Iron Isles. Tell people about your latest article, Chris. It seems to be getting a good feedback. Yeah, it's uh, and it obviously has a Vegas uh, factor in there. It's called Expansion Will Force the Islanders into Making a Big Trade, and we'll go over this next week when we do our Golden Knights uh, selection show, at least Mach 2.0 version of it. And um, that is currently constituted. The Islanders of the expansion draft were held today. They would have to either expose Ryan Pulak, who George McPhee on this show uh, stated without any prodding by us uh, that he really liked, or Ryan Strom. So because of that, it it really is going to force the Islanders to make a trade in that window between uh, once the Stanley Cup Finals end and the expansion draft, and probably uh, and 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 the significant trade at at that. So check it out at eyesonisles.com, and you can follow on Twitter at eyesonislesfs, uh, part of the fan site now, network. So um, now, did you did you explore anything in that? I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but that that trade might actually come with the Vegas Golden Knights, where uh, you know, remember McPhee said that, that he did, could okay. I did bring that point up, and to be honest with you, and uh, not just from an Islander standpoint, but others, and I've read uh, Kevin Allen has a great new article uh, out of USA Today uh, this week about George McPhee and the Golden Knights and how expansion might look. And there's a per, you know a prevailing thought like say the Minnesota Wild. So the 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 Wild tells George McPhee, look, we don't want you to take Jonas Broden. We'll give up a prospect and a pick. Uh, a really good prospect and a, a really good draft pick. The Islanders could do the same. But what I don't like about that from, from the standpoint of the teams is, and, and, and this would hold true for both the cases of the Wild and the Islanders, they would still lose a pretty good player. So, you know, uh, just off the top of my head, uh, if they don't take Broden, they, they could take one of the forwards that Minnesota has, or maybe even take Scandella as, as an option. Or in the Islanders' case, okay, you know, don't take Strom or Pulak, whoever is exposed, but then they're going to wind up losing, let's say, a Josh Bailey or a Calvin DeHaan. And then on top of that, let's say, off the top of my head, lose a second-round pick and a pretty good prospect. So just to keep certain other players. So I am really not in love with that formula, quite honestly. I mean, the only asset you're gaining is, is uh, you know, that should be the last – Last case scenario. Uh, obviously, the Islanders were trying to make a significant trade last month of the, really going back to November. So I, I would think those talks would heat up again, and they have the right formula to, to, to do so to maybe get a Tyler Johnson from Tampa Bay or a Matt Duchesne from Colorado, which I also point out in the article. All right, all right. Um, the thing, the thing I like about it is that Mr. McPhee holds all the cards. He doesn't have to do anything. He could say, okay, well, I'll take Ryan Pulak and done. If he's still there, you know what I mean? Uh, they're going to have yeah, to come no, with I, a pretty sweet. They're gonna, the only thing they do, the only thing they get to do is retain one of their own assets in any sort of a deal. Um, they don't add anything to their pie. So uh, I, I think the, the ground will be quite fertile, if you will, for, for Mr. McPhee, either to, bulk up the the selections in the amateur draft or to pick players like from Minnesota and and the Islanders so uh he's got all the cards Dana Lane likes to say that uh, Mr. McPhee holds all the cards and in situations like that where teams have more than one you know player that that is under consideration and will have to be exposed that's uh that's good stuff that's good stuff yeah, it's a big difference to me if you're saying to Vegas, uh, whoever you are, uh, that, okay, look, don't take this – stay off this player who I'm going to have exposed, and you can take anybody else, and and I'll give you, you know, a second-round pick or and a prospect, whatever. And the drop-off of that player is, is going to go from someone very good, let's say, to marginal at best. Because then you, what assets are you really giving up? In the case of the Wild and the Islanders, uh, using those two teams as examples, they would be still be giving up a pretty good player. I mean, Josh Bailey, right. even though he only has one year to go on his contract, and uh, you know he, he's more of a setup uh, a setup guy, got almost 50 points this year. So, um, you, know, you know, he's going to probably finish with over 50 points, and he has a 3.3 million dollar cap hit. 
Calvin DeHaan's a top four. He might not be sexy, but he's a solid top four defenseman who's 25 years of age. So, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think they would be better off uh, finally getting that uh, that uh, proven off- a dynamic offensive player uh, added to this roster. But in uh, on other news, uh, and I've conversed with our old guests of ours this week on uh, back and forth on email there, Derek Kelling, who wrote a great new article, a couple of great new articles, one on the Arizona building issue, um, and I told him we'd love to have him on in the near future about it, and it seems like that is, uh, that is, uh, how can I say this? There's been so many ups and downs with Arizona and building and ownership issues, but um, they're not out of the woods yet, far from it. Uh, from his articles, it sounds like the deal that is constructed is, quite frankly, uh, all the, the spoils are pretty much going to the Diamondbacks, uh, to the Coyotes. Um, there's just too much uh, risk for the state that the deal is going to have to be reworked if it's going to pass through state legisla- legislation. And then there's a question of, well, will ownership be in a position to do that? Um, now, I saw this week at the GM meetings, Gary Bettman has been questioned about this. And make no mistake, Gary Bettman is not going to leave Arizona unless every stone and rock has been un- turned over because he has shown he wants to uh, grow the sport, extend the map. This is a big market. He wants it to make it work there. Uh I, I don't pretty much uh, at, at all costs. So, uh, but we, we we still have to be worried about Arizona, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, um, ASU recently pulled out of the deal, and I don't know if if that means that the land that was associated with ASU that was going to be part of the project is now off the table as well. So I, I don't know if he touches on that in the article or not. But that's you know if you don't have the land and you don't have the partner, there's certainly <laughs> obviously a lot of work to do to get that deal done and i don't know how much longer they're going to be able to coexist with the city of glendale either that's that's just a bed of snakes over there yeah no uh, no pun intended right so so do you have a a riser do do, do you have a riser and fuller sir before we have dana lane on i'm guess i got a funny feeling your full fooling team might be the florida panthers my prior florida panthers am i right on that Yes, you are. And we had not even talked about this beforehand. Uh, uh, Florida was right there, tooth and nail, uh, in that Eastern Conference race. But their last five games, uh, one, three, and one. And they've fallen out of touch with the other contenders in the Eastern Conference over that stretch of time. And look for Florida to miss the playoffs. Um, you, they, huge game tonight. I'm calling it. Um, they play. Yeah, absolutely. They're uh, – I don't know if they're home or away, but they play Tampa tonight. And quite frankly, they need to win that game. In Tampa, I don't. They need to win. Uh, uh, they need to win that game. They're if they lose tonight, especially if they lost in regulation. Uh, you know, the the currently, uh, you know, you got the Bruins playing this afternoon. They're at seventy six points in the third spot in the Atlantic. The Islanders are at seventy five. The Leafs are at seventy four. And if Tampa were to win, they would go from seventy one to seventy three. I mean. That's just too many teams and too many points back. And uh, basically at that point, they would have 15 games left. I mean, it's not impossible, but uh, this is, this is, this is a huge, this is a must win for the Panthers tonight. I must see if we can get Dana's perspective on, on that game tonight, because I mean, I, I think Tampa's been playing some pretty good hockey of late and you might I mean, you could look at this as an elimination game pretty much, but um my, what what do you think my uh, my riser is going to be this week? I'm going to go with Tampa because they definitely have uh, strung together a good streak here. Um, I know the schedule's been you know not brutal, although they beat they beat the Wild the other night. So you know that's a qual- that's a high quality win. I'm going to go with Tampa. Um, I did give I did give Tampa some consideration, but there is another team that is in that same division that's been hotter over their last five than anybody else, and that's the Ottawa Senators. Uh, 5-0 and 0 in their last five games, opening up that gap 
uh, above Boston to six points now. Um, yeah, and clo- right. closing yeah. within clo- closing within two of Montreal. And I mean, Mon- Montreal's been playing really good hockey too. It looks like they're three one and one over their last five, but losing ground to the Ottawa Senators. So uh, this week's ride. Has already been in a pop, but now they're challenging for the Atlantic Division title um, with roughly 15, 16 games left to go. They're right on the doorstep. Um, that's that's my but I did. I did give Tampa consideration this week. And I also um, it's going to sound funny. I did look at Pittsburgh this week because they've been playing a lot of good hockey and they've tied up Columbus for the number two spot. Only three points back of Washington in the Metropolitan Division. So. Um, a couple of couple of choices of, they're already in the playoffs, but I think you know a lot's been said about going going forward as you're going into the playoffs. Look at the Kings. Was it last year, two years ago, where they they uh, were leading the division the whole way through, and then once they clinched their playoff spot with about six weeks to go, they just went in the tank and they got that they got that was last year. They got bounced in the first round unceremoniously by the San Jose Sharks. So. Um, it, it locked, a lot is said in, as, when it comes time to raise the Stanley Cup about how team plays in the last six weeks of the season. And, and I think you could keep your eye on Ottawa as, as they're going forward. If they can win that Atlantic division, um, that sets up a nice bracket for them in the playoffs. Well, if they win the Atlantic division, whoever wins the Atlantic is, is most likely going to get either Columbus, Pittsburgh, or the Rangers today uh, based on today's standings. It would be the Rangers, so that's uh, um, one second round. Though you might be, yeah. Uh, no, that'd be the first, first round. round. They would get the wild. Yeah. Oh no! The right, right, right. They winner. get the second wild card. So, so yeah. So one could argue you might be better off finishing second in the Atlantic than winning the division. Well, it, let, let me take a look. I'm looking at this real quick. Yeah, the division winner will get okay, the yeah, well, card, which takes. Depending on how Washington finishes, it's only a, a one-point gap yeah, between no, Montreal so, and Washington right now. So that could slide them into the second spot or second wild card, and then they're picking between, no, no, I no, think, no, the three. Is, I think Washington's at Washington's 95. 95. Oh, 84. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. Trust me, I am sick. I'm looking at. I don't even know what I'm looking at. Um, but no, right. yeah, you're right. You gotta you're like right, the odds. You gotta like the odds of Ottawa and Montreal in some order being the one-two in the Atlantic, unless there's a yes. uh, total collapse by one of those teams. So it looks like all those other teams in the Atlantic are fighting for that third automatic spot, and uh, the the uh, fullback would be the second wild card. And really, that's going to come down to Boston and Toronto. Uh, for that third spot and throw throw and, in the Islanders. And Tampa. And you don't, um, yeah, yeah. The one, the last point about the Atlantic is... five points clear, though. Uh, yeah, one thing about the Atlantic is those teams still have a number of games left to each other. I want to say that Toronto plays, for instance, Boston twice, twice more between now and the end of the season. I believe the same holds true between Boston and Tampa. Uh, I know all those teams that we just mentioned in the Atlantic they play. They face off each against each other about either four or five times left on their schedule. So uh, those could be Ottawa, Ottawa and Montreal. They have a they have a big home and home later on this week. So that's going to yeah. go a long way to talk talk about the championship of that division. But I do have Dana Lane on the line right now. Okay. Uh, I want to welcome in our our weekly segment going down the Vegas Lane with Dana. Dana, good Saturday to you, sir. How are you, man? How's uh, how's life? Oh, I am under the weather, but I'm struggling through, <laughs> sir. If I, if I make some unpleasant noises here into the microphone, please bear with me. Well, that, that's okay. I have got the same thing going on. I got my middle daughter is sick, and I just just am getting over it. And it seems like it takes yeah. me a little bit longer to get over these things than it used to. But we're, we're, we'll, it's called we'll age. Press on. <laughs> that's you well, and me I both. Don't know what you you're you about. and me both. No idea what you're talking uh. about, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, this week coming up, we have uh, UNLV headed off to play in the ACHA National Club Hockey Championships. Why don't you preview that for us? It starts on the 15th, if 
<coughs> if if uh, if memory serves me, and break down break down the 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 tournament for us in a, in a nutshell, if you would. Yeah, uh, the tournament starts on the fifteenth at two o'clock Pacific time. Uh, their first game is going to be against Grand Valley State University, who was the second-ranked team in the Central. Uh, Grand Valley State is 24-24-3. and And so, obviously, that's going to provide a – at least on paper, it looks like it's going to provide a formidable formidable foe. Um, It's very difficult sometimes to to actually get some – some footage of these teams, you, you kind of get the, even if you find something on YouTube, it's usually far away. And uh, I was talking to coach, uh, right. assistant coach, Nick Raboni this week. And Nick's like, you know, maybe we'll just try to trade some tapes like they do in the NFL, try to get something. Um, and then uh, it's full play. So they'll play their guaranteed three games and then they'll play Thursday at four forty-five. Um, against William Patterson University, who is 16-2-3. Uh, they are the number one seed in the Northeast. And then Friday, they'll play Ohio University. That will be at 11 a.m. And Ohio University um, is uh, – they are seventh in the Southeast. So they uh, – that was the final ranking. So they were ranked seventh in the Southeast. They're 19-7-4. So that's uh, – it's a, not a bad grouping. And I, I've got to think, you know, sometimes we see this in the NCAA tournament as well. You know, guys, uh, teams, they, you know, they, they um, have a hard time getting to that crescendo. And then sometimes the tournament is a little bit easier than maybe the end of the season or the regional. So maybe UNLV might find themselves in that scenario, uh, not knowing what these other teams are like. But I do know what UNLV is like, and I know that they have – as good of a shot to win the national title as anybody else. Have they come into their pool ranked as from from the West? Well, they go ranked into their pool, the third seed in their pool. And the only reason they're the third seed is because, obviously, if you get an automatic bid, um, which Ohio University, for instance, gets an automatic bid because they're hosting it, if you get an automatic bid, obviously you're not going to be uh, ranked higher than a team that had to go through the regional. So that's why they're third in their pool. Okay, okay. Well, best of luck to the Rebels as they, they head off in pursuit of their first national championship as a club hockey organization. Moving in, moving into Division One club next year, it's going to be a nice little springboard if we could get out of, at least out of that first sure. pool and, and into elimination play. I think that would be a nice healthy goal is to clear that zone and move into elimination play and maybe win one or one or two games in that. So let's move on. Big week out of the Vegas Golden Knights this week, signing their first ever player, Reed Duke. Um, the, now I thought you were going to have a chance to talk with him this week. Did that happen? Yes. Yeah. We talked to Reed, uh, gave us, was gracious enough to, uh, get that done. And thank you for Eric Tosi for setting that up for us as well. We talked for about 10 minutes, um, said all the right things. Um, you know, I tried, I asked him, I said, look, does this put a little bit more of a, uh, bit of inspiration in your step now moving forward with the Wheat Kings, considering you're fighting for a wild card spot and, um, you know, I mean, now that you're drafted, a couple of your teammates have also been uh, signed, or not drafted, but signed. And uh, he says, no, you know what, I just kind of move on and do the things that I need to be doing, which is exactly what I wanted to hear from him. Uh, right. But you can't, you know, it, that's, in, it, that's an, you know, an external answer. Internal, you, you, you don't tell me for a second the guy doesn't go to the rink and feel a little bit better about where he's at and, you know, it gives him a little bit more inspiration to maybe, you know, find that extra one or two percent in this game. Well, I wanted, I wanted to ask you because he was drafted in the sixth round by Minnesota Wild in the 2014 draft. Now, I thought when you were yeah. drafted, you had the, the team owned their rights for four years. Is that a, is that a miss? Is that me being wrong? No, not necessarily. I mean, for instance, um, uh, the whole story with this, like Cristobal, uh, Cristobal Boo uh, Nieves, uh, was only uh, was signed for only two years. I mean, if you sign an entry level contract, that doesn't mean you sign it. For, you know, just like any contract, you sign it for the length of whatever they want to sign you for. Um, Minnesota signed him with the idea of turning that around into another draft pick, which didn't happen. So he, w- the following season, he was on a two year deal. So he went right back into the 
uh, into the draft the following year and basically was not picked up by anybody, which allowed him to be a free agent. So it's, okay, uh, it's the story, was... though, the story behind it is very interesting. If you if you read uh, Dan Barraza's uh, column this week of, about how he actually fell into the lap of, of the uh, Golden Knights, besides the obvious um, uh, relationship Truman with McCrimmon, who... Yeah, uh, but this was also a kind of a Will Nickel thing, uh, a scout for the, the Vegas Knights who went to go see somebody else. That that player, Nieves, got hurt, and then uh, they got an opportunity to see, see Duke play on uh, the line with Jimmy Vesey and Buchnevich, and uh, he thought that he looked like he belonged on that line. And so uh, even though he got cut by that team as, as, time, as, as the tournament went on and he went back to the Wheat Kings, uh, good on Will Nickel to still kind of keep that in the back of his head um, that he looked really good with guys that obviously are NHL caliber guys. So that, that was kind of the story in a nutshell of how he, he fell into the lap. And of course, yeah, of course uh, he was pushed along because of, you know, his relationships. Sure. Well, I did see one tweet that was kind of the tweet of the day for me. It said, well, the, the Knights now have a Duke, so they need to sign Bishop, and then they need to trade for Dwight <laughs> King out of Montreal, and you've got your Knights, your Dukes, your Bishops, and your Kings all in one spot. And uh, I thought that was kind of amusing. So shout out to the Twitter user <laughs> who threw that, and I appreciated that. Let me bring in Chris. I know he has a couple questions for you this week. Chris, go ahead. Hey, Janet. Great to talk to you as usual. Uh, hey, Chris. So have you heard through- – did it come up at all that there's some other players out there kind of in that re-Duke mode in uh, junior hockey, if you will, who kind of might have been late-round picks, slipped through the cracks, and all free agents that uh, they're looking at? Yeah, well, I mean, one thing about this organization is they're very tight-lipped in what they do, but in reading this story, you obviously know now that they – uh, went after and we're looking at this uh, Cristobal Nieves. And so he was um, uh, placed currently for the Hartford Wolfpack. He was drafted by the Rangers. Uh, is a, uh, I believe that was a five-year deal. Um, not sure on that, uh, but it was drafted by the Rangers. And he's going to be a UFA after next season. So, you know, with this story, I'm trying to tell the story about, about Duke. His name obviously came up as well as somebody that they were looking at. But other than that, not one name has really fallen through the cracks at this point. And keep in mind as well, I mean, since they became fully vetted in the league, it's, you know, it hasn't been that much time. But I, I'm sure there's hundreds of names on that list. And it started out uh, probably at, this tur- at the tournament in Traverse City last fall. Obviously, Dana, a big date coming up. Uh, I guess we're about a little over a month away. Here's the night of the NHL lottery. I haven't seen the NHL announce the date for that, but it's usually the last couple of years been on a Saturday night, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, uh, into the playoffs during the first round. I don't know if you have any information on that, but uh, I'm sure that's uh, going to be must-see TV for all Vegas Golden Knights uh, fans. No, for sure. I mean, uh, they did come out this week that, um, although, you know, there was some controversy, of course, on whether or not they were going to make the expansion list available, and it doesn't look like that they're going to make it available publicly. It doesn't look like they're going to go that route, which really doesn't make a difference to me either way. I can see either, either side. Um, but it does look like they are going to have an unveiling that will be on television in conjunction with the NHL award show. So um, that, that week uh, of June, uh, the week of the award show, which would be the third week of June. Uh, it's going to be a big week for Las Vegas, and we're all going to get to see it uh, either live or on television, which is the way it should be. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I was referring to the, uh, the the draft lottery night with the ping pong balls in terms of uh, where Vegas' first-round pick will will. will yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, as far as that's concerned, I mean, that date, to my knowledge, has not come out yet. So um, yeah. that that's kind of where that is. Can you imagine the uproar? Can you imagine the uproar if Vegas ends up with the number one overall pick? We're going to be screaming rig, rig, rig like when Penguins got Lemieux, right? <laughs> like when uh, Patrick Ewing went to the Knicks, right? Yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go. 
Well, real quick, Dana, um, let's go down the Vegas lane here for some Saturday night special action. What game are you highlighting for us tonight, sir? You know what? I, I went right. To, I'm going to ride this streak until I see something different out of the Washington Capitals. I mean, a lot of times this time of year, right, I kind of look at what team needs this game the most and are they at home and is the price fair? And all three of those boxes have certainly been checked with the Kings tonight uh, against Washington. Ooh. Right now you can get even money or a little bit of plus money in some cases. But, you know, look, I mean, this is a Washington team that clearly is uh, kind of in an offensive funk. We have uh, Ovechkin who hasn't, uh, has one goal, or I'm sorry, has not managed a five-on-five goal in some time. I think it's been almost 16 games now. Um, Barry Trotz is moving the lines around a little bit, trying to get some cohesion. In fact, Friday, you saw Ovechkin on that second line, which is kind of a uh, an odd thing to see. But um, I, there is some you know, question marks there offensively for Washington. They got to go across uh, across the uh, country to play this game. And their five-on-five play is just not where I need it to be right now. And I think L.A. comes out and is extremely physical, as they are in most games. And I, I don't know if Washington, who doesn't really need, see that type of play, at least on the level of where the Kings are going to bring it, I, I'm not real confident in them at this point to be able to respond to that kind of hockey. So I have no problem backing, uh, backing the, the Kings tonight until the, the Capitals say that they're a better team than they, they looked against uh, San Jose and Dallas. Well, you do you do my heart well, sir. Better than the Dayquil I took not too long ago. So I'll be <laughs> I'll be lo- <laughs> I'll be uh, looking forward to that. Hopefully, hopefully you're on the money tonight. Uh, that is one of those Kings need this game games. So uh, with that, sir, I'm going to have to let you go. I see Matt Robinson's joined the show in the queue here, sir. I always appreciate it. Make sure everybody catches Dana and Brian Blessing on KSHP 1400 AM for their weekly show, one to two o'clock on the Vegas Hockey Hotline. And you can always go on to 1400 AM and catch their archive shows. And they've had guests from throughout the hockey world. Um, Everybody from the Golden Knights has been on the show. Uh, If you you want to get caught up on the Vegas Golden Knights, go there and go to the 1400 AM website and archive their shows. You can also find Dana Lane's gaming breakdowns on sbrsports.com. Dana, always a pleasure, sir, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week, sir. Yeah, pleasure's all mine. Hopefully next week we'll be still talking from the uh, tournament in Columbus, and that will have meant that UNLV will be on to to elimination play. So we'll cross our fingers on that. Sir, I did want to ask, are you traveling with the team? That is the, uh, that, that is my, um, current thought. <laughs> no, okay. No, we okay. This a week ago. So I, I still don't have my itinerary, but hopefully, uh, one way or the other, we're going to get there, but that is, uh, that's the direction we're trying to go in at this point. Okay. So if you do, then that means you guys are going to bring your YouTube link up for the games. I, I am crossing my fingers. Well, keep me posted on, on uh, let me know during the week, sir, because I want to catch that if, if that does turn, turn out. Oh, it is going to be on. The tournament will have it on, whether or not it's a UNLV presentation or not. It's just not clear at this point. Okay, well, keep me posted during the week, sir. Will do. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you. Okay, Thanks, thank Dana. you. And and now we're going to bring in our guest, Matt Robinson from Tall Can Audio. He's had me on his podcast a couple times talking about the, the Vegas Golden Knights and, and how things are progressing through there. So it was only right that we would bring in Matt to come and talk about his team that he covers, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Matt, good afternoon to you, sir. Thank you for coming on. Mark, Chris, great to talk to you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, Hold on, Chris. Take take over the start of this for a second. <laughs> sure. So, Matt, great to speak with you. Uh, obviously, the Leafs are right in the uh, thick of things for a play, uh, to make the playoffs. Uh, they're only two, going into today's action, only two points behind the Bruins for the third automatic spot, and they have a game in hand, only one point behind the Islanders for the uh, second wild card spot. Uh, so. What is this? And they have a lot of big games left. I believe they they have uh, Tampa still on the schedule, if memory serves correct. I believe they play the Bruins a couple more times. 
Where are the Where are the Leafs with uh, about 16 games left to go? Yeah, you know what? It's been uh, really interesting to kind of watch them come down the stretch here as uh, they just finished a West Coast trip, which seems to destroy any uh, Atlantic team going out there, no matter how the uh, that Pacific Division is doing. Uh, trip through California is never any fun, and they struggled mightily there, only picking up one of six points. Um, they've since come home. They've beaten Philly and kind of given themselves some breathing room there as Philly is, is in the race a little bit. Uh, also beat Detroit, which was a game they have to have. Um, and you're right, they, they have a road trip coming up this week into Florida and into Tampa, and those are going to be huge games as, as those two teams are still right on the heels, right in the thick of it. And those are kind of, um, you know, must-have games. If the Leafs are going to stay alive, you got to keep the teams behind you that are already behind you. And you're right, there is another one coming up against Boston. Um, the Leafs do have a game in hand. Uh, they, at one point, had five or six in hand on Boston, and it wasn't enough to, to kind of put them away as they kind of, you know, spit those games away and didn't fully capitalize on them. So at this point, it's at best a 50-50 shot whether or not they're going to get in. They're they're right in it. But with so many young guys, there's a bit of a question mark as to whether or not they're running out of gas here a little bit, having to play this many games against this thick of competition. So it's uh, it's tough to say right now. Freddie Anderson's rolled back into form a little bit, which has kept them alive. But right now, at best, I think it's a, a 50-50 shot. To me, well, it looks like kind of a big picture. Oh, go ahead, go ahead Mark. No, no, go ahead, Chris. I just kind of letting everybody know I'm back. I'm a little bit under the weather, Matt. I apologize for for that, but I had to uh, mute my mic for a second, and I'll leave it at that. So go ahead, go ahead and finish okay. that thought, Chris. <laughs> you know, I've kind of been banging. I wrote an article about the Leafs back in December, uh, and to me, the blue line uh, moving forward, uh, even though the Leafs, believe it or not, I think over the last two years have had 20 draft picks, uh, they only have, according to the Hockey News, one kid in their top ten uh, prospects who are who's on the blue line. Uh, I think his name escapes me right now, but he's their sixth score in the Hockey News, sixth overall uh, prospect, if you will. This team needs to get much stronger on the blue line. They need a top four defenseman, to put it mildly, and probably another seasoned pro strong in his own end. How do you, and with free agency coming up, I don't see a lot of great fits. I see one guy down in Washington who could be. But uh, how do you see them moving forward? Because it looks like to me they're going to need to make a major trade to to acquire a front-line defenseman. Yeah, there isn't a ton on the farm in terms of front-line defenders. They've got a couple of kids, uh, Renette Valiev, they've got Travis Dermott, Victor Louvre, a couple of guys that, yeah, that, that look like they'll be, you know, at best, a number four kind of thing that might fit into your top six. But there's nothing on the farm that says top pair defender right now. And I think there was some hope that Morgan Riley would develop into a number one guy. And, and without question, he is their number one guy. But he, he doesn't project at this point, at 22 years old, to ever reach the level of, you know, those top 10 or 15 number one defenseman in the league. He's never going to be a, a Drew Doughty, right? He's never going to be Duncan Keith, um, Carlson, Zubank, Edmund. Yeah, that, right. Those guys, he just doesn't seem to project out to be that. And so you could make the argument, and probably a pretty compelling one, that the Leafs don't need to find a number four defenseman. They need to find a number one defenseman. And as you know, those do not grow on trees. Um, could they do it by committee? They've brought in Zaitsev this year. He's looked not too bad. Uh, Jake Gardner is a guy that drives a lot of Leaf fans crazy. By all the, the advanced metrics, all the fancy stats say this guy is an elite play driver. But when you watch him on the ice, it's infuriating turnover after infuriating turnover at the worst possible time. So in terms of going out and finding someone, I, I don't personally think Shattenkirk fits. He's a little older than um, than the rest of their core. He's going to want a ton of money. And with all these rookies, you know, you got – Matthews, Marner, and Nylander that are all going to want big raises within two years, and I don't think you can lock yourself into Shattenkirk. Um, I think some Leaf fans have started to turn their attention towards um, Oliver ekman Larson, who's an unrestricted free agent after next season, I believe. And maybe that is a time where you could make a play. Now, Leaf fans think every big free agent is coming to Toronto. They, they always have. Stamkos was coming to Toronto, <laughs> the most recent one, and it just doesn't work out, right? So but that seems to be, you know, unless you're willing to deal away one of your big pieces and, and that's maybe the only way you're going to get this done, um, you know, JVR 
is maybe the shift that you're looking to, to play, but that's not bringing you back a, a number one defenseman. Maybe he can bring you back a number two or a three defenseman and you try and get it done by committee. But at this point, yeah, I, I don't know where they're going to look to find a, a number one defenseman. I think um, – I thought Carl, it's, it's Carl Alziner of uh, the Capitals was free agent would be a good solid pickup for them. Yeah, that's not um, – especially because of the way he plays, that is kind of what they need. They're also yep. not a sexy name, but Trevor Daly is going to be available. That's a guy who's a good pro. He could slot in. He does the little things right. Um, he's certainly not going to be your number one guy, right? But but he would help balance things out a little bit. Um, at number five and number six right now, they have Matt Hunwick and Roman Polak. And it, it's it been a little bit better in the last month or so, but that's been a nightmare for Leaf fans all, all season long, that pairing. It's just when you have the high-powered offense that this team has right now, those guys can't get them the puck. They're not contributing to the offense. And, and that's kind of what they need is a guy like Daly who can get the puck up to those guys and let them do their thing up and out of the zone kind of thing. And Hunwick and Polak have been okay on the PK, but everything else, it's been a nightmare. So, um, yeah, I, I, at this point, I'm not sure where they're going to find a top pair defenseman. It, it absolutely has to be on the, the top of the shopping list. Well, let me let me hop into that real quick. Uh, we're talking with Matt Robinson on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa, and we're we're just talking about their defense. Um, we were we were doing our draft preview show last year, and we were going back and forth with who they should take at the the their first pick. Um, and I kind of felt like having taken Nylander eighth overall the year before that. Uh, I mean, all the tea leaves were pointing at at Mitch Marner at that time. I kind of felt like Noah Hannafin would have suited more of an organizational need. And I mean, it's hard to pass up the kid with the nickname, the magician, right. And, and he obviously yeah. <laughs> he's had a great, great year, but do you think maybe Marner would have been more uh, of an organizational need than the, the pick that they did take with Marner? Wow. That's a tough question because you're absolutely right. Noah Hannafin does. Um, and there were Lee fans that absolutely saw it your way that, you know, we could use a, a big, strong defenseman here and, and whatever. But um, one of the things that doesn't get a ton of attention is Dale Hunter working inside that Toronto front office has long time ties. And I believe he's still part owner of the London Knights OHL team up yep. here. And he's known Mitch right. Marner forever. And he swore up and down, this is the kid. Don't you worry about it. You take him and he will make you look like a genius. He's going to be a star. And they went with it. And and in his rookie season, he's looked pretty good, right? Um, yeah, I mean, no, no complaints day. for sure. Right. No, certainly. But uh, it, it, you, you could potentially, you know, if, if right now, if you're going to have to deal a Marner or a Nylander or, you know, some of these top guys to get a number one defenseman, you may look back and just go, you could have just drafted him and, and kind of skipped all of this, right? And um, right. that's a hard argument to make right now. We'll see what Hannafin turns into, but right now you could, you could make the argument that, you know, they maybe would have been better off taking the defenseman, but I guess the conventional wisdom is always take the, the best player available. And in their, in their minds, it right, was Mitch right. Marner at that point. And... So, uh, let me, let me, uh, throw, throw this at you. Um, I did watch the, the, the Kings game, uh, earlier last week and, unfortunately for me as a Kings fan, went to bed after the second period um, when Maple Leafs were up two to nothing. Obviously the Kings went on with a couple quick goals in the third. And, but the first, the first two periods being um, indicative of, of where this team wants to get to. Um, and with, with the players they have, and I'm, I'm going to go down the list and I want to compare this with the Kings. You've got Matthews is going to be a 60, 60 point player. 30 maybe 35 goals uh marner has outside chance to get to 60 but he's going to be a 20 goal scorer cadre is going to be a 30 goal scorer and is already at 50 points van reamsdijk is a 20 goal scorer and he's going to be a 50 55 point player nylander is going to be a 20 goal scorer and he's going to be a 50 point player this week this year tyler bozak who might be the unsung hero on this team is going to be a 20 goal scorer this year and has an outside chance to get to 50 points okay so that's that's uh I mean, when Coach Bab Babcock had his press conference and he talked about the window of pain that was going to have to go through, um, let me let me let me go down where the where the Kings are at with this. You have Jeff Carter with 30 goals and going to be a 60 point player, 
and nobody else on the Kings is going to score 50 points. They only have one other player who's going to have 20 points, and that's Tanner Pearson, and Kopitar is going to struggle to score 10 goals. Now, if you want to trade me windows of pain right now, um, I could turn the <laughs> clock back, and, uh, and, and we could do a deal there, sir, because I think that uh, Coach Babcock's window of pain has closed. And if you could talk about that comparison and, and just a little bit more consistency, and maybe that plays into the decor that we were just talking about a little bit. And this team is going to be a good team for a long time to come. Yeah, you know what? The for me, as you're singing out those those names, the the two names that you didn't mention to me, uh, Drew Doughty and Jake Muzzin. That's the difference, right? It's that number one shutdown defensive sure. bear can kill penalty, can run a power play, can move the puck up and out. And the Leafs just don't have it. You mentioned all those guys that are going to score 50 points for Toronto. And that's great, but they're giving up as many as they're scoring. And so it's a really tough thing. I think people in Toronto, um, I, I've said for a while on, on the number of reports that I looked at, the number of games that I've watched now, I think the Leafs will be thrilled if Austin Matthews turns into Anze Kopitar. Now, this is clearly an off year for Kopitar. And as he said, struggling to get to 10 goals. Um, but I think... If, if you could see Austin Matthews topping out at that kind of player, you'd be thrilled. Selkie right? Trophy? Um, sure. Right. Because he does look like he has that in him to play both ends. He's so good with his right. stick to come back and break plays up and, and little things like that. Like, it's great to watch him score and, and set up some of these plays, but the little things that he just keeps getting better and better and better at over his rookie season in his own end, um, I think that's kind of the model you're looking at there. And then you have all these wingers essentially coming down and, and Kadri, I guess, in the middle that, that are um, putting up these big points, but they just they haven't quite mastered this Babcock yeah. system yet and what to do in their own end, right? And um, Babcock said as much this week. He, he just said, I can go in there till I'm blue in the face and tell them this is what we got to do. At some point, they want to run and gun, and at some point, i got to let that. You know, if we're not going to defend properly, then I guess we should go and try and score a couple more because we're going to need them. And that's kind of where they're at. Daryl Sutter has always been so good at implementing his system and getting his teams to do things the right way. Um, and, and you look at some of the injuries that, that L.A. has had this year, you look at the off year that Kopitar has had, and they're still right there. They're still messing around a playoff spot. And all of that, to me, is just based on a commitment to playing the right way and doing things the way that the Coach Sutter wants them done down there. And if the Leafs can ever get to that point with all this talent, they'll be tough to beat. I think Babcock needs to sit down Matthews or Marner or Nylander for a game or two after they, um, you know, a, a, a bad choice on the blue line that turns into an offside goal the other way. He's got to be willing to sit those players down for a game or two to make his point. And I think that's the only difference between how Coach Sutter gets his message across and Coach Babcock. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, man, uh, it's Chris again. I just got two last ones for you. Being out here in sure. Long Island, I wanted to get your feel of of Matt Martin when he, you know, obviously was with the Islanders for a number of years. Last couple playing with the line of with Kesey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck, a guy who, you know, uh, who can give you 12 minutes a night, give you a fit. Not, not just a fighter. He skates real well. He's obviously got physicality, size, grit. He's, just, you know, he, he does his due diligence on defense. He can throw in about 10 goals. But uh, from what I've been reading uh, uh, up there, it, it seems like uh, he hasn't uh, made the impact like he had, like he did on the Islanders. Yeah, kind of a tale of two seasons for Matt Martin at this point. And, and that second season is real short, and I'll get to it in a second. When he first got here, I think the fans were mostly um, – we had read and, and heard quite a bit, a bit about this best fourth line in hockey, right, on the island with the, the guys that you mentioned, Casey Zizekas and – and the way he had played there and that his teammates loved him, there were Islanders players on Twitter when he signed with Toronto saying that, you know, Leaf players are going to love this guy, love having this guy as a teammate. That all seems to be true. Um, there was some pictures that came out during the Toronto bye week of, I think it was um, Connor Brown, Mitch Marner, uh, down in the Caribbean with Matt Martin, and they had kind of bonded with this guy a little bit. And his teammates do seem to love him. Babcock absolutely loves him. Um, Leaf fans were a little curious about a four-year deal at $2.5 million on the cap. Again, just looking at that deal's not going to be up by the time you have to give all these top-end guys big-time raises. And at that point, is it okay to have that much money invested in a fourth-line guy? Um, and early on, it didn't look like it. He just wasn't quite fitting in. But to be fair to him, he's playing with 
Ben Smith, and that that just wasn't a fit at the fourth line center position. He was playing with Freddie Gauthier, who is a is a decent Leaf prospect in that role. At best, he's going to be a fourth line center, but he wasn't quite there yet. Since the Leafs have brought in Brian Boyle at the deadline, that fourth line has looked completely different, and and Matt Martin has looked re-energized. And I don't necessarily know that that's even a fair thing to say because I don't know that he's re-energized. I just think it's a better fit. And Brian Boyle wants to go and do those things that Matt Martin wants to do. And they, they get down low and they crash and bang, and both of those guys can skate pretty well. And then they have a guy like Sashnikov or Josh Levo, depending on the night, on the other wing who can finish a little bit. And, and those guys go and they muck it up. They, they dig in and they, they create opportunities. And you have one guy out there who can finish. It's looked a lot better. And so I think, I think the contract – might stick in in the fans craw a little bit still moving forward but since the deadline um, that fourth line has looked far far better than it did beforehand and I just think Matt Martin and Brian Boyle are a better fit together than than anyone else that the Leafs had put on that fourth line with him thus far right so he's looked better the fourth line has looked better and uh, it looks like if the Leafs could possibly lock up Brian Boyle here who they brought in at the deadline is an unrestricted free agent man, that could be the makings of a very, very reliable and, and contributing fourth line moving forward. Yeah, before I get to my last question, just to throw a quick point out there, uh, looking at mock expansion drafts, it looks to me like Matt Martin will probably be exposed. And keep in mind, George McPhee, the last two years he spent with the Islanders, so he and watched Matt Martin with that line and the impact he's made uh, on the ice, off the ice with the community in the locker room. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh, George McPhee took Matt Martin in expansion. I'm sure Mark's going to have a question for you on expansion. But my last question is, handicap the Atlantic for for us. I mean, right now, in some order, it looks like it's going to be Montreal and Ottawa in the top two. But how do you know, if you were a betting man, if you were going to bet $2, do you feel the Bruins are going to hold on to that three spot? What about Tampa? Obviously, Florida's have been in a rough patch. They need a must-win tonight, and we mentioned the Leafs before as well. And then, and then you got the Islanders in there who currently hold that, that the second wild card spot, and and they're done playing all those teams I just mentioned, other than one game left with the Bruins. So, kind of handicap all that for us, and what what you think how it's going to play out? Yeah, you know what? It's um, it looks like as you mentioned. Um, Ottawa and Montreal are home and cool. Um, Montreal, to me, now they've been better since they brought in Julian, and it's funny how that works. Another team with a coaching change, same with the Islanders, same with the Bruins, right? You make a coaching change and get this kind of bounce out of it. Um, they've been better, but Ottawa's two points back of them with, I believe, two games in hand. Uh, those guys, to me, both those teams look to be home and home and cooled. I do think, at the end of the day, um, Boston is going to hold on. Um, all season, I've been waiting for them to fall off. That that blue line to me is very slow. Anytime the Leafs have played them, the Leafs' speed up front has been able to expose that defense. Um, Char is not what he used to be. Rask isn't having a fantastic season. But some of those guys they have up front, some of those horses, you know, Bergeron and, and Marchand especially, they just keep coming and they just keep getting it done. And as the longer I sit and wait for Boston to fall back, it just doesn't happen. So I think in the end, they are going to hold on. Um, at the beginning of the season, I had the Islanders comfortably in a play, playoff spot when I made my predictions, and they just got off to a terrible start. I don't have to tell you. and um, But they look to be back and running hot again. Um, I see today, just before I came on, Steven Stamkos is on the ice at Tampa Bay practice, firing one-timers with Kucherov. That doesn't fill me as a Leaf fan with confidence in, in the Leafs holding on there. And uh, I said two or three weeks back on our show that um, – I thought Florida would still end up getting in. It doesn't look like that's going to be going to be the case. I, I just think, honestly, guys, as, as we've come down the stretch here, Matthews only played something like 40 games last year. Marner only played a junior schedule last year. Nylander is the only one of those kids who still really looks on fire, and it's probably no coincidence that he played in the AHL last year, and he's used to the grind. He's used to that longer schedule. It looks to me like the Leafs are fading here a little bit and, and that it will probably be the Islanders or – if you really forced me to pick someone else, Tampa Bay, who grabs that second wild card spot. Um, I'm not writing the Leafs off completely. I, I, you know, there's still a chance they're right in there. But if you force me to lay down a, a toonie, as we like to call it up here, I, I think the Leafs are probably not going to get that done. I think you're probably looking at the Islanders or the, the Lightning in that second wild card spot. 
I, I, I hope, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I'd rather see. Yeah, me uh, too, man. <laughs> a, a good, hey, a good friend of the show, Matt Pryor, hey, take said. It about easy, the Dallas take it Stars. easy over there. Hey, I, I'm saying <laughs> I wanted to, this. Is the question I had for both of you. It doesn't. It's not a far-fetched scenario that Toronto and the Islanders both make the playoffs because uh, you're a little more convinced on Boston. I'm not sold on Boston. I think uh, the Islanders in the last six weeks have been the hottest team in hockey. Um, Toronto has hit a little bit of a lull, but but um, I, I still see speed in their legs. I still see energy on the ice. And and like you said, uh, compare and contrast that with the Bruins. I don't see that in them. Um, currently, Boston's tied one one with Philly in the third. Um, I I see hey, the scenario. With, I, I odd, odd enough for a Toronto guy to say, but um, today you're a Flyers fan, and and That's right. so is Chris. So is Chris. So, um, I see a scenario where Toronto can move up into that third spot, and the Islanders hold on to the second wild card spot. Chris, that's um, I'm not going out on a limb and predicting that. But I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility that both teams make the playoffs, Chris. I want to get your comment on that, and then we—I guess—we just found out where where Matt feels about that. Uh, yeah, I guess real quick. I guess the 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 plus for the Islanders is, as I mentioned before briefly, is down the stretch, the Bruins, the Leafs, the Panthers, the Lightning—they all play each other uh, in some capacity a no- number of times. I believe the right. Bruins have. They might have as many as five games left against those teams. I know they play the Maple Leafs, I believe, two more times. Um, so as long as those games end in regulation, and that's a big if, right, because about a third of the games yeah. go into overtime. So as long as those games end in regulation, that's going to be a plus for the for the Islanders. They'll gain some ground on, on someone. Obviously, they have to keep taking care of business. Obviously, for the Atlantic teams, they get two bites at the apple. They get they're fighting for that third spot in the Atlantic, which is still up for grabs, and they're fighting for that second wild card, which is up for grabs. Unfortunately, because the Islanders are in the Metro and the top four teams in the Metro, they only have one bite at the apple. So uh, they have to hold off a lot of teams. Like I said, they do have one game in hand on Boston, and they do play the Bruins at home in a couple of weeks. They're done with the Leafs, Panthers, and Lightning. So. That's something to consider, and I, I just think when the push comes to shove, as long as they stay healthy, I think John Tavares, uh, Toronto native, is just going to will the Islanders into the playoffs. I just have that feeling. The uh, the Bruins schedule the there on the Toronto kid. <laughs> Ooh, the Bruins schedule uh, starting on the twentieth. They got Maple Leafs, Senators, Lightning, Islanders, and then Pred Stars, and then Panthers. So definitely the Bruins, I, I, with that schedule, I'll say they're in control of their own destiny. If they go through those games, I believe five they go to the West. Games, don't they go? Don't they go to the West? Yeah, they go to the West the first. They got yeah. Starting on yeah. the 13th, they, they do the the Western Canadian swing with Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. But then uh, they they finish up that trip in Toronto on the 20th. So that's going to be a huge game, and then then they host. Ottawa, Tampa, and then they're in New York with the Islanders, and then back home for the last three: Pred, Stars, Panthers. Um, they they have it on the table in front of them, but it is a tough, tough schedule with all of those teams hungry, um, with the exception of maybe maybe you know the Dallas. Uh, everybody yeah. else in that list, maybe Vancouver. Um, they might still believe they yeah, have an outside Western shot, Canadian which they swing. might. That Western it's tough. swing, it's it's not as easy as it was. It, it, the, both the Flames are red hot right now, and the Oilers are yeah, Edmonton to be coming out well. of their decade long lull. So, um, yeah, tough trip. That's and, so there's hope for Leafs Nation, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. I, and I, like I said, I haven't written it off. There's as as you say, there's certainly a possibility the Leafs can grab that third spot and and stay in there, but. Um, I think they need a lot of things to, to go right. They, they at one point controlled their own destiny and they kind of let that slip over the course of the California trip. So they need a little help now and, and they need to stay hot. They really need, if nothing else, Freddie Anderson to be, you know, at the top of his game, you know, the next yeah. three, four weeks. So. Yeah, well, it's got to start tonight in Carolina. If you let that one get away, it's, it's uphill struggle. That's for right. 
that's one you got to yeah, get. So for sure, let's uh, yeah. move. We did. We, I mean, Chris. Chris is high on Matt Martin, and um, that's that's a certainly a viable candidate for expansion in the Vegas. But I want to know who else. Um, if, if they decide to go with 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 someone else, what's their they're obviously going to go seven forwards, three defensemen. So, and defenseman is is the weak spot. Is there a deal going to be made with yeah. Vegas to leave to leave some some pieces on the table there, or who else? Who else is is? Am I looking at here with the Golden Knights as far as expansion is concerned? The, the, it's an interesting question, and I, I, coming you know preparing to come on your show here, I, I did a little more reading on it, and, and the Leafs are one of the the better positioned teams. Um, all of those young guys we've been talking about here this afternoon yep. are exempt. All the Leafs' top guys are exempt or easily protectable. So they're gonna, they don't have to, to protect Marner or Nylander or Matthews. They don't have to protect Zaitsev. Um, so you start to n- needle down pretty quick in terms of, so that means you obviously turn around and you protect JVR and you protect Bozak and you protect Kadri. And all of a right. sudden, you're just kind of left with the spare parts, right? There's a couple kids on the farm. Kirby Ryko is a guy that a lot of people seem to think that the Golden Knights might have interest in. Um, the Leafs picked him up from Columbus. He's a former first-round pick. To me, um, he's getting a little older. Um, he's NHL-ready, but I, I don't. he's not going to be an impact guy, although in an expansion draft, I don't know how many impact guys you really are looking to find. Um, but that's a guy that, that a lot of people seem to think, you know, he's put in some good time on the, the Marlies. He's been better this year than he was the, the years previous. That might be a guy. Matt Martin, you know, we, we talked about. I think the Leafs would like to keep just because so many of the young guys do love having him around. But I don't think Leaf management will be heartbroken if $7.5 million over the next three years on the cap were to be taken away. Um, right. So that wouldn't completely surprise me. Josh Levo has played much better this year. He's a he's a, a scorer, um, hasn't scored a ton this year, but he hasn't had a ton of regular ice time either. But in the last month or so, he's been given an opportunity. He hasn't looked out of place at all. And he's played up and down the lineup, been getting power play time, and he's looked all right. So that might be a guy. But to be honest with you, you know, there's not a ton that the Leafs are going to have to expose. And it, it looks like it might be a – a spare part kind of thing. Um, I know George McPhee has experience with uh, Eric Fair when he was uh, with the Capitals. Right. At least picked him yep. up at the deadline as kind of expansion protection. He's a fourth line guy, but he's got experience. He's got a cup ring. Maybe that's a fit. But there's, you know, there's not a lot of meat on the bone here in Toronto for the expansion draft. The Leafs are actually in a pretty good position when it comes to that. Well, when I, don't I, when I was looking lose through that. Big. Yeah, when I was looking through the teams, they're one of the – like you say, slim pickings for Vegas and Toronto right now. They have uh, done done pretty good, and just the timing of of their draft picks and and it, like you say, all, all the good guys are are exempt. So um, maybe a Martin or an Eric Ferry. Maybe you look to that roster for some of the experienced um, role players, if you will. Um, and and I Chris think that's on the probably money, you yeah. know. I think that's probably what happens there is you look for one of those pieces out of Toronto who's got a little leadership, who's got a little experience because you're going to be able to find some youth in, in some other places and some good, exciting young pieces. But in Toronto, all those good, young, exciting pieces have just come at a time that allow them to be exempt, which means Toronto can turn around and protect everyone they want to protect. And like you said, there's just not much there. So I think you're probably looking at a veteran piece going the other way um, back to Vegas and, you know, Toronto isn't likely to be in a whole lot of trouble here with that. Right, right, right. Well, um, we, we went over a little bit on time. So, Matt, thanks, man. It's always good to talk hockey with you, buddy. I appreciate you coming on our show for a change. Uh, and the chance to come on your shows is always appreciated. Uh, Chris, do you have anything else for Matt before we got to let him go? No, Matt, it's great having you on. And if you're ever looking for an Islanders guest, just let me uh, let me know. I'd love to come on your show. Well, that'd be great, especially as we come down the stretch here and it looks like the Leafs and the Islanders are going to be battling it out here right to the very end. So maybe we can put something together that would be uh, awesome to have or if you uh, Or if you want an opinion of what's going to happen with John Tavares' next contract, I can... Uh, I can. Uh, <laughs> hey, what did I tell you? Leafs, Leafs fans were certain that Eric or uh, that uh, Steve Stamkos is coming here. Now we're certain John Tavares is coming here. Right? He's going to look great with... Uh, He's going to look great playing with Marner and Nylander, so that's going to be awesome. <laughs> there you go. And Oliver Ekman-Larsen on the back end, too. 
Yeah, you got it, buddy. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Matt, with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. Make sure everybody follows at Talkhand Audio and check out Matt with his Leafs podcast. He links all his all his content through his Twitter account, at Talkhand Audio. Is there anything else you want to get out there, Matt, as far as how to find you? Uh, yeah, no. Um, You know what? Talkhandaudio.com. We've got a couple of shows on the network there, one sports, one non. So you can find it all at Talkhand Audio on Twitter or Talkhandaudio.com. Really appreciate you guys having me on. It was uh, like you said, it's great to talk hockey. Absolutely, absolutely, thanks, and and thanks again. If you if you do make the the playoffs, sir, you're going to have to have a return engagement here. You got it. That'd be that'd be great. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks a lot, guys. And and that was Matt Robinson on coming to us from TalkHandAudio.com and his perspective on the lease. Really, really good insight there, Chris. I'm glad we had him on. Absolutely, it was uh, it's that, and I thought he brought up a great point about some of the young guys and the stretch run in terms of how much gas they have in the tank. And one thing I would say, I know uh, on paper, you know, the Leafs are in Carolina tonight. One says, "Oh, that's a," and they actually the Islanders have a back-to-back situation with them early next uh, Monday, Tuesday. You know, keep in mind, outside of Colorado and Arizona, the difference between all the teams. And especially the in the mix where the Bruins are and the Islanders are and the Leafs are, you know, uh, compared to, let's say, the Canucks or the Hurricanes, basically they're, yeah, they're 10 points up, give or take, on those teams, which basically means they've won one more game a month than those other teams. So uh, there are no easy games down no. the stretch. And, and extra Rangers the other night who lost the tough game to Carolina, I think they're a young team. Obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs, but uh, they're, they're going to be they're going to be no easy games against them. Or if you have the Devils on this on the calendar, you have to face Corey Schneider. Um, you know, games look do look at Detroit last night beating up the Blackhawks at home. So uh, there are going to be no easy games uh, uh, for for that competition. But I'm excited for next week's show as we, me and you, sir, will be picking the. Release round one of the Vegas Golden Knights roster. So uh, we'll probably we'll break down each team. We'll go in alphabetical order. We'll try to spend like a couple minutes on each team. Who we expect to give like uh, the two possibilities of the two or three possibilities at this point, and uh, and then make our make our selection. So that should be a lot of fun. Yes, yes, I'm gonna have to. Uh... Do my homework on that. PlanMyTeam.com is going to be the engine that we're both using to select our our players with. So um, if anybody follows along, go to PlanMyTeam.com and you'll be able to create your own Vegas Golden Knights uh, roster and throw it up at us and, and compare and contrast with ours that will get posted over there when we're done. So uh, with that, I'm going to get out of here and go back to the couch, see if I can't catch the end of the Bruins-Phillies game and take a bunch of medicine because I've just about talked myself out for the rest of the day, sir. All right. Feel better, my friend. Okay. For Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.